Welcome, everybody, to the Between Two Wheels podcast, Monday edition. How are you doing? Well, today, would you rather win the Saxo Bank E3 Classic or the Gant Wevelgum Classic? We're going to talk about that. Get some feedback from our interview with Drake Duell. That's been uh, blowing up, at least for, for uh, me, blowing up here. Uh, we will also recap the Volta al Catalunya. Is Ineos back to their skyways? We'll take a look at that. NorCal, bike racing on Easter and maybe beyond. Ride of the week or mailbag. And it appears we're going to get, uh, not going to get that comparison that we typically get on Easter, which is who makes more money, the winner of the Masters or the winner of Perio Bay? Thanks, everybody, for joining us. It looks like we're getting a few people coming in. So we will be looking for uh, your chats and your conversation here with us today. Hope everyone can hear everything okay. And hope everyone had a good weekend. Um, I was able to, hey, look, the weather here in Northern California, it's changing a bit. So I was able to get out and do some riding. Still recovering from my midweek ski jaunt with uh, my friend John Novikov. A little sore. It's been it was about ten years in between um, times I had been skiing, but I grew up skiing, so it was it was fun to get back out there and uh, go with John. And then I'm doing yard work, and I'm really sore, but weather's great, so you can't really complain about anything about that. And then we had a bunch of bike racing, bunch of bike racing last week, bunch of bike racing over the weekend. So I thought we'd get into that. First of all, uh, it appears to me, and I, and maybe some uh, updates on this that Perry Robay, since there's all kinds of COVID restrictions in France. Uh, Perry Robay is actually being um, put on hiatus. I first had heard that it was canceled. Then I've heard it's been put on hiatus. I think we're just getting a, and even you saw with the um, getting Wevelgum on yesterday that they had to change the course a bit. They're not uh, actually deviating into France at all. So that changed that a bit because COVID, it it stops right at the border. It, it knows all those changes. So they weren't able to deviate into France at all, um, but they were able to, to race in Belgium. And we do, uh, we do think the, the, Cycling gods for that part, at least. Okay, so start off with the classic things so you had, and I and I bring this up about winning E three E three. We had uh, which is Saxo Bank Classic or whatever you call it, and um, it took place. I think it was on what Thursday or Friday there last week, and we saw some exceptional team tactics, and we'll break that down just a little bit uh, as to what happened there, and then contrast that with those same teams going into uh, Gent-Wevelgum, which we saw yesterday, and kind of the comparison there. So <clears throat> when, when I tuned in on, on E3, I think Asgreen for Dequanta Quick Step was up the road. He was in a break. He was looking pretty strong. Uh, there was a reduced group already. We had Wout. We had Vanderpoel in there. We had uh, Seneschal. We had Oliver Nason, Stebar, Van Mavermat, Van Barl. Uh, Bunch of good, uh, Wout obviously was was in there. Um, Wout takes a kicker. It's like 20 or so K. I'm trying to re- just call this out of my mind here. Uh, he takes a real hard dig trying to go off the front. And as the group are, are rejoining that, they're chasing him down, Vanderpoel kicks it. And Vanderpoel just spits, <laughs> spits out Wout. Uh, didn't quite have it. And Wout, you know, some, some people were saying, hey, maybe he was just, you know, kind of dialing it in or, you know, calling it a day due to the fact that he's got uh, Wevelgum coming up. But I don't think that was the case because he was still chasing on pretty hard. So they get, they spit him out. You got Adrian up front. You got all the Dequanta Quickstep boys just sitting on, waiting for things to, to you know, they're, they don't have to chase. They end up bringing Asgreen back into the group. And then that team, Dequanta, is hitting the front again. Next thing you know, Asgreen, there's a, there's a meeting in the side of the road. He takes a far right turn around it and kicks out there and they just kind of let him go and no one chases him. And then 
he solos off. He'd been off for all day, and then he decided to still just stay off all day. He wins in about 30-second gap there. Uh, Seneschal, his teammates, who had been able to sit on all day, easily won the field sprint over Matthew Vanderpool, who took it out. It looked like a little bit too far. I don't think he had any teammates um, in that front group. So behind them, you had Vanderpool in third place, Oliver Nason of AG2R in fourth, Xenix Stebar of Dequanic Quickstep in fifth, Greg Van Avermaet in sixth, Van Barl in seventh for Ineos Grenadiers, uh, Uno X Pro Cycling Team, uh, Marcus Holgard and Johnny Vermarsh came in eighth and ninth, about 128, 130 back. Had a little, and then that's when you saw a wow to it. At 130, Anthony Turgis had been with that group. He and um, Lampert were chasing, uh, and they, they weren't able to connect. Uh, so you had, and I just thought it was kind of somewhat interesting that you had the corner quick step who just dominated in the day. They get first, they get second, they get fifth, so they get five, three in the top five. Uh, they get uh, Lampert in 13th place, Valerini in 26th, Tim DeClerc in 68th, and then Van Leberg, Bert Leberg, the, got a DNF. So they just stormed the castle on that one and were not um, not to be put down for their team. And, you know, everyone's praising them for how great they rode, and I cannot object to that at all. They they, <laughs> they did a great job them of, of putting the team out there and destroying everybody else and doing the right thing, right? As Green just continue, and that's when you have, when you have a, a bunch of people uh, on your team that are able to get into those front groups, you're able to play those tactics. You know, you didn't see anybody out there that, with Manny Vanderpool as an example. Who was AG Chira riding for in the finale? That's what Chris Flower wants to know. Chris, um, that's a great question. Cause as you look through the result there, you see Van Avermont, and then you also see um, Oliver Nason. I would say Nason on that one, Chris. Uh, simply because you've got, I mean, he's a better sprinter, I would assume. Uh, and 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 Ben but a good question. You get you get him in fourth and sixth, and uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy there. Uh, but we obviously know who um, who Dequan Quickstep was sprinting for, which was Asgreen's up the road. Uh, and by the way, we know Asgreen. He won. Chris and I talked about it last week. He won the uh, stage up to. Uh, um, uh, heavenly, uh, at the tour of California, big guy that climbs. Interesting. Okay. So, um, anyways, it's interesting to see that whole team popping in there and being on the front and doing the right things for the team. Um, you had Wout, you didn't have really other teammates with him. And when you play that game of, uh, you're the only guy up there, as you saw with Matthew Vanderpool, you you're, you're limited. So you've got a, someone needed to chase down Ash Green. And, and I imagine they thought dude's been off the front for a long time. He's probably the least likely that's going to be able to hold it to the finish, but he's also not the sprinter. So you have uh, Stebar back there. You know, you have who was in second here, uh, Seneschal, their better sprinter. Those are the guys that. You know, so Asbin was the perfect play, and it, it played it out. Okay, fast forward over the weekend. Now we have Gent Webblegum. Uh, you're not able to. I think did Mads Pedersen win that last year? I believe so. So he Trek team tested positive or someone on the team did for COVID. So they pull out of the race. I think Bora also uh, pulled out of the race. So you're down two strong teams in that race. Well, I tune in, take a look at this thing. You watch the race and about 90K out, there's already a good split in the front group. You've got about uh, 25, 30 in there. You have Wout, you have his teammate, uh, Nathan Van Hoydonk. Uh, Sam Bennett makes the group. Sam Bennett's the only one for Dequan Quick Step in that front group. But, you know, you're like Sam Bennett. If he's able to get over the climbs, that's kind of the guy. But once again, if you don't have a teammate with you, you're more likely going to have to chase them 
breaks that you might not have had to before and you just play a little bit of a different game. Plus, Sam Bennett's not the strongest over these climbs and he may get, you know, worn down a little bit easier than some of the other riders. We have 54K. There's uh, the Kemmelberg, Van Hoydonk, and Wout start ripping the brake to pieces. Sam Bennett's able to hang in there. Next thing you know, Van Hoydonk gets popped out of the back and he has to fight back on. Uh, you ended up having some two movie star riders in there, two EF education ones. Uh, you still, and then the group gets reduced down even more, but uh, basically, I think it was the last time over the Kemmelberg, uh, that's when you started seeing cracks for uh, um, Van Hoydonk. Because prior to that, you ended up seeing the EF riders get kicked out. There's two of them up there, and they ended up finishing 50th and 56th respectively. They were the only two that finished for um, EF education. They got spit out midway. They'd been in that break the whole time, but there are other riders up there in that break. Last time up to Kemmelberg, that's when um, Bennett had some trouble. Van Hoydonk did too. He, they both ended up reconnecting, and that was kind of important. So that you have a break about 40 seconds behind there, the chase group trying to catch up, and you've got Ballerini and a few other DeCorny quick step riders playing some games, uh, kind of breaking up, trying to go back in. But the whole time you had Van Hoydonk really doing it. And then you saw some trouble. It was about 16K to go. Van Hoydonk's on the front. Uh, for Jumbo, Wout's teammate, and he's going pretty hard, and Wout's on second wheel, and he just sits up. And with that sit-up, uh, I think it's forced, uh, who was it, Stefan Kung to Kung uh, to, to kind of chase into him, and he went full, really pretty hard. And when they did that move, you ended up seeing Van Poppel get spit out the back, and you saw Bennett get spit out the back. Now, <laughs> Bennett had been, I don't know if he was throwing up or he was blowing his nose, but it was an ugly sight uh, just a few kilometers before him, uh, before that, where he's sitting on the back. He said he had a hunger knock, and I, I tend to believe that. You're not going to get rid of Bennett on a flat run-in uh, with guys jumping up. But like I said, when you've got a guy like him that was able to get over these you know, pitchy climbs, um, maybe it starts to wear on you a bit, and maybe you know he's just, Wevelgum maybe is quite too much a little climbing going on with that. Either way, coming to the finish it's all held together and van hoydonk uh just lays on the front and you get a long sprint there by wout van ert over Giancomo nazolo uh, mateo trenton sonny cabrelli michael matthews stefan kong nathan van hoydonk dylan van Bar hoydonk was leading them out came in just a little bit behind uh dylan van barl was the best of the rest of the the next group with turgis Johnny Vermarsh, Jonathan LeCurk, Greg Van Avermaet is in a second. Anyway, so you break down the DeCoina team from this day. Their top finisher was Eve Lampert and 14th. Then Bert, who was a DNF on E3, he was 20th. Stebar, 25th. Murakow, uh, 51st. Ballerini, 52nd. Sam Bennett, all the way 55. He was letting his team fly past him. And Steen Stills uh, at 83. So that team has a bit of a turnaround from what you saw at um, E3, obviously. Um, Eric Houston, he was throwing up. They released it. Okay. So that's what we, uh, we get confirmation that he was, <laughs> he was throwing up. That's uh, a little bit nasty. But that was after that Kemmelberg, and he was having a little bit of trouble. Uh, just a, a bit interesting. So um, I hope they clean that up. They had the quarantine there in Belgium, so I hope that didn't cause a problem with him uh, spewing his innards all over the road. But you can see then from the day before you had the E3 and the dominance or the two days before uh, of E3 with the dominance of Dequanic Quickstep. Contrast that to again uh, Wevelgum and their lack of dominance. Allowing uh, is 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 it a bad tactic letting uh, you know Bennett get up in that front group? Perhaps you know they were trying to see if they were chasing that down, but that group went away at 90 95 k to the finish. 
So did you expect that? Now, if you watch the race, that thing, there was a tailwind, which was really helpful for the sprint and, and wow, really let it out. I guess Trenton said he didn't have uh, the right gearing for that or didn't use the right gearing for that. That's, that's on you, buddy. Uh, but there was a lot of crosswinds during the day. You kept seeing things break up. And there was one time I saw, I'm trying to remember which rider it was, he got guttered and he got, and, and matter of fact, when Bennett um, kind of even lost contact there, they were stretching him out and they were guttering it, uh, you know, with the, right on the left sand side. And he didn't have much room to uh, try to get a draft. And that's really tough. But I saw another rider. He kind of went off in the road, got guttered, went off in the road, just in the grass a little bit. He's trying to catch back up. And you, th and he, you can tell in his mindset, he's just like, oh, just kick it down here a few gears and I'm going to boom, be right back there. It took him about a minute to, and this is just some part during the race, it took him about a minute to try to catch up for that group simply because he was so guttered and it's just a difference when you're off the back and you start to get the, the effects of the wind. Anyway, uh, interesting there to coin a quick step. Once again, they had the chance, uh, they didn't quite pull it together, <clears throat> but you saw a, a thing, which is Van Hoydonk rode a great race for Wout. Wout gets the win. All praise should be going to Van Hoydonk for being able to split, uh, basically stretch that, stretch that thing out in the last kilometer. That's real important so that other, you know, other riders aren't attacking and he's having to do whatever while could just run, wind up for that. If something had happened to him. He had a teammate there, you know, all these things that happened to Bennett, <clears throat> your, your whole basket is, of win is in, in or your chances are in this one basket. And then he throws himself up. <laughs> Next thing you know, uh, your best finish there is 14th place, <clears throat> but it was a pretty good race. The women's uh, the women's getting well, we're going to start watching that this morning. And I'm like, um, I read the reports and I'm watching it. I'm like, this is totally not what, and then I realized I was watching Omloop, a replay of. So I finally went back and watched it. 37K to go. You get a big split in the group. Uh, Longo Borghini, Trek rider, kicks it, starts to split things up. Uh, you have Voss, you have Kopecky, Van Dyke, Amy Peters, Marta Cavelli in there, a bunch of Trek riders. Uh, then uh, Jumbo's Anna Henderson starts going off the front. She's got like 25, 30 second gap. That's between the 27 or the 37 and like 20 to go. But at 20 to go, Trek blasted the front. They started spreading things out, guttering it. And you're seeing Ruth Widner up there. All these, uh, you know, I think she's the one that's wearing the American flag right now. Uh, Longo Bergini then attacks out of that. You have this other uh, girl, uh, Paladin, that's with her. Doesn't do a lot of work, but so from 20K, all the way in, actually till about 300 meters to go, you've got these two out there. They had a decent gap, just keep coming down. And even when they're getting caught right before 300 meters to go, Longo Borghini is still then trying to almost lead her team out by sprinting. But man, Mariana Voss hits the front at 300 to go, tailwind, and holds the sprint all the way to the line. It was pretty impressive. No one comes around her. Uh, nicely done with a post up there. Mariana Voss for Jumbo Visma in first place. A lot of Kopecky, live. In second, Lisa Brenauer. In third, Elisa Balsama, Marta Bastali, Emily Farland. And then you had uh, two Americans in the top 10. Kristen Faulkner of Team Tibco SBB. Uh, Sarah Roy of Team Bike Exchange in eighth. Ninth is Emma Newsgard. And then the other American, Lawrence Stevens for Team Tibco SBB. So, <clears throat> yeah, those two Tibco riders in the top 10, uh, same time, just didn't have the sprint to compete with everyone else. Okay, great. Now let's take a turn back in time and go to the Volta. Volta Catalonia, <clears throat> that finished as well on Sunday, but it really finished earlier in the week. 
and then it was just going to be a, a, a little more of a procession and, and an interesting race the last few days uh, to kind of see if we got a Sagan win and see if uh, Alejandro Varela, I think it was his last year, if he can actually get on the podium. I think he raced this race back when they actually had the Barcelona Olympics back in 92. I'm not sure if he actually did, but because I don't think it came to the four in the, until 2000 something. But anyway, it was a fairly interesting uh, race and it was pretty much dominated by Ineos. And with that domination, you know, it raises some questions. Hey, are they back to their old skyways? Well, hang on a little bit. Um, the other teams weren't quite as well represented. You had, as an example, Sepp <clears throat> uh, for Jumbo. You know, Jumbo's kind of the big other team right now on the GC front. And he had Steven Kreuzwick there to help him. Okay, but you didn't have like uh, Vinegard there. You didn't have Roglic there. You didn't have Walt there. And, and with that though, you had a pretty stacked team as far as Ineos goes. Carapaz, uh, Garrett Thomas, uh, Adam Yates. Um, you didn't have Bernal, but uh, you have Richie Port. So it was it was a uh, Rowan Dennis. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty pretty solid. And matter of fact, stage one goes. It's got some lumps in it in the first section there. And um, maybe we'll bring up the actual results here. We can take a look and share those on the screen for everybody. But in the, the the break ended up staying away. And with the break staying away, you ended up getting uh, Andres Kron of Lotto Sadal gets a win with, over Luis Leon Sanchez, Remy Rochus, and Leonard Kamna was up in that grade. Now, Leonard Kamna featured pretty prominently here for this race. So we will at least get to see. I think, you know, look, he had a stage win. Was it in the tour last year? I don't know. It was one of the Grand Tours. And long range breakaway. Guy can climb really well. So for, for that part, you know, we're, it was a, actually somewhat impressive so um this cron guy andres cron he only gets a day though in the yellow jersey or that that's not a yellow jersey it's actually a a jersey that's uh kind of white with some striping on it so andres cron here's here's your thing and so you know here's the gc you had same same as the stage race uh but stage two is going to happen and with that he is uh you know a little more subjected to a time trial here and with the time trial, you ended up seeing a ton of Ineos riders, and this is why they ended up dominating things out. But it's still, you know, there's little things to to play into it here. Rohan Dennis destroys over uh, Remy Cavagna, <clears throat> Yao Almeida, Brendan McNulty, Stephen Kreuzwick, Richie Port, Adam Yates, uh, Joe Cerny, and Debod, and then Garrett Thomas. So, oh, TJ, TJ, did you know TJ was still riding? He plops into the top 15 there with a, a decent time, but you didn't really hear anything else from him thereafter. Now, Rowan Dennis, day before he lost two minutes, 2.16 actually. So there's some criticism of him. I know um, uh, Mike, uh, Chris Horner had said some things about like, look, why you got, you know, you're gonna probably win this time trial the next day. Why are you losing two minutes on the that day? You could at least have the jersey, you know, uh, kind of support the team. Well, I, I, I get that. However, you saw what Rowan Dennis did then thereafter a few days where he's like on the front for like 30 kilometers just killing it um i think he knew his role he wasn't really worried about having a uh, leader's jersey and they were expecting some of the other teammates i mean this actually you look at the the top 10 here it actually is reminiscent of you'd think that maybe this was a team time trial results i mean it's got uh, ineos decoina decoina then you have a UAE and a Jumbo, and then an Ineos, Ineos, then a Decoina, then an Estana, and then an Ineos, then a Decoina. So, I mean, between Decoina and Ineos, you just packed the top 10, top 11, actually, uh, with riders. Pretty impressive. Ron Dennis gets the, the overall, well, he didn't actually get the leader jersey. You had Yao Almeida, Brendan McNulty, Luis Leon Sanchez, 
Stephen Corey's who put in a really good time. So did Richie Port, Adam Yates. So when you see Adam Yates, like a climber like that, being able to put in a pretty solid time trial, um, you start to go, oh, maybe there's a little something to be uh, thought of here and to be looking forward to. The next day was a really good stage uh, up to the top of, it was 100 and 203 kilometers, Canal Olympic de Catalonia to Voltaire 2000, okay? This one, Adam Yates ends up winning. He takes off pretty good. Um, there's some, he was up there with uh, Alejandro Valverde. You have Sepp Cuss with him. They're all looking fairly good. And then Sepp starts to do his thing where he, he attacks, I don't know, three, two or three, I think K to the finish. Uh, easily brought back by Yates and countered where he just goes drop. So they had already got rid of Valverde. He was not able to hold, but in the end, you didn't end up seeing uh, Sepp Cuss do all that great. He ends up dropping down to sixth place. He had a few other people uh, ended up clawing their way past him. Alejandro Valverde, Esteban Chavez had been chasing up there. Looked really good, kind of reminiscent of the days, maybe back in 2017, 16. Um, is it 17? Is that the uh, Giro where he was looking pretty good until he wasn't? I think so. Garrett Thomas. This is also what's impressive about Ineos here. Although they had their riders, you know, Garrett Thomas, um, Richie Port, doing a lot of team uh, you know, polling for uh, Adam Yates here. Uh, they these guys still push themselves to the finish, which inevitably led them to uh, kind of occupy the, the the top. So you had GC on the day, uh, Adam Yates, Richie Port, Yala made it. Now I'll say about Yala made it. That guy, I, it seems like he always gets himself into the lead quickly. Uh, always, I mean, this just starts from the Vuelta last year, <clears throat> and then you just see him suffering like a dog, holding and holding and holding as much as he can, trying to help positions, uh, just losing a little bit here and there. So I, I never really get to see him like really riding to, you know, where he's like uh, pushing it out. It's always seems like he's somehow falls into a lead and then he's defending it and he does really well. Um, I'll be interested to see kind of how he does coming forward in the next uh, few years, at least, you know, it's kind of interesting to get thrust, uh, the, the leadership on you and then kind of just how that works from you as compared to uh, a, a subcuss who we're expecting a lot of, and he hasn't really been able to, to kind of exceed there. You know, you get a race like this, you go, oh, subcuss is one of the best uh, climbers in the world. He's going to be able to do great. And then you get him and put into a position where he is the leader and you're not quite sure how things are going now. Great. Granted as well, he peaks for specific races and that's where he's at his best. So then you, you see a smaller race like this and you're expecting him to just destroy everybody but maybe he is a little tired from all the work he's done previously. Maybe he's in, not peaking. So whereas you're getting someone else possibly peaking for a race like this, and then it just, you know, shakes up itself uh, a little bit differently. Uh, stage four, kind of a, not a repeat of the day before. Well, kind of where Chavez decides to take it a little bit more. He tacks from a long ways out. He ends up holding everybody. And Team Ineos just does, as I think Sepp called it like a sprint. It was like an 18 kilometer climb up to the finish. And uh, to Port Ein, 166.5 kilometers that day. And Esteban Chavez gets a win. Mike Woods come in second, seven seconds behind. They, they clawed that back from about 30 seconds. Garrett Thomas, Adam Yates, Sepp Kuss, Alejandro Valverde, Richie Port, Wilco Kettleman, Nairo Quintana, your typical, your usuals, uh, Simon Yates and Hugh Carthy just dropped a little bit at the top there with Yalameda. Once again, losing 25 seconds. Once again, that's just how he does it. He, he holds on, holds on, he fights, 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 and then just loses a little bit here and there uh, as we go. So the GC is on that day, after four, Adam Yates, Richie Port, Garrett Thomas, top three there with Ineos. And as I described, they kind of, uh, you know, those all 
especially two and three there, they just did their best to do a lot of work. You saw, especially this stage, you saw leading up into the climb and about halfway or more than that up it was a lot of work being done by Rowan Dennis. You had Carapaz also in there doing a ton of work as well until, you know, just didn't need to. And then Garrett Thomas actually pulls him into the finish and he ends up, you know, being right there with the front group. Pretty impressive for for how that whole team is, is riding this. But once again, it's a little bit of a strip down from uh, other teams, not quite the same. So eh, it's impressive. It's impressive to see how they're riding and to see those guys. But, um, you know, I don't know that I'd lay too much into it. Next day, Leonard Kamna finally gets his win. He'd been fourth on the uh, on the stage one in his top four. Gets a win. Uh, Ruben Guerrero of EF comes in second. Mikhail Barzarka. Biz Kara of Uscatel comes in third. And Deion Smith. Now, by the way, you had Raleigh racing out there, uh, U.S. team. Uh, was kind of hoping that you would see a little bit from them. But uh, we didn't really see much at all. Uh, there was uh, some Colin Joyce, you know, sprinting days. You kind of hope that he's going to get something. And it didn't quite work out for that. Um, GC didn't really change. Going into stage six. Stage six was at least a day that we were like, okay, should be a sprinter's day. There's They, they changed the, the, the book from one day to the next. First it said a cat one climb. And then when it actually came out and you started watching the race, it was a cat three. So you're like, yeah, yeah, should get over the top. Peter Sagan should get over the top. And you ended up seeing him doing what he, uh, he almost had the little replay, though, of what you saw him get kicked out of the tour for. Well, we'll talk about that kind of sprinting here in a little bit. Um, uh, we saw a little bit of four, but um, he, he ended up not, the gap didn't close down like it did with Wout pushing him into the barriers and he pushed back. So he was ended up being clear there and it worked out for him as well. Peter Sagan finally gets his win. First place over Daryl Lumpy, who was trying to come on there, and over Juan Sebastian Milana, uh, Van Rensburg, and Camp. And did you see and McNulty ends up in tw- 12th there? I was trying to see if, uh, well, there we go, Colin Joyce, 27th. So you didn't really quite get what you expected from uh, some of the American riders in the Catalunya, at least as far as the rally racing goes. Last day, this was... Uh, short a little about 137 or so kilometers uh, racing in around uh, Barcelona and then they came in and they did what six circuits I think uh, around there with a little pitch there's a break off the front they four minutes when they come into that uh, that circuit rate and um, there's some decent riders and there Dan Martins in that front group but they ended up letting the group uh, two guys go off the front which was DeKent and um, Mahorich Mahorich every time they came <laughs> have this steep descent he gets in the super tuck and he's gone and then um the gent has to catch up so you're thinking oh last time up the climb there um you know if Mohorich gets because they go up the climb they come down and then they have a little bit of a flat they go through the start finish then they go back up the climb so there's some break there and you think oh maybe Mohorich is going to gain that time down the, the bottom and he's going to maybe be able to solo away but no last time up to get ended up spitting him out and then he does the super tuck and gets away and ends up getting the win over Mahorich. in the end you saw a little bit not much of a breakup but i did see that sep cuss actually lost time uh because the gc riders were kind of all together there but he ended up slipping from ninth down to 12th overall uh minute 50 so i'm not sure what happened i don't know if he had a mechanical you wouldn't expect him to you know lose any time really on a on a stage like that but evidently you did. So, um, Catalonia, what'd you learn from there? 
one, uh, Sepp Costa needs to time trial a little better. That would help him. Um, we also learned that Ineos, you know, when they want to, they can they can ride pretty well. And I think this is kind of a tune-up race for them. Like, hey, <clears throat> let's really work on our domestique stuff here. Well, Adam Yates went to the lead, and he did a real impressive climb, by the way, on stage two, uh, three, uh, being able to just dispatch everybody, uh, especially when Sepp Cuss and Alejandro Valverde were, were riding pretty strong. Um, we saw that uh, Chris Froome still has some trouble climbing. Uh, Mike Woods is, is looking pretty good and, and bouncing back from his broken leg or whatever femur. We've already seen him do well. Uh, Mark Hershey starting to come around a little bit. Uh, at least he had a top seventh place there. I think he got in the break uh, on the last day. Um, what else did we see? Well, like I said, I think Ineos is kind of doing their, hey, let's. Uh, some of the riders are coming into form. You, you get Tom... Uh, G is coming into Garen Thomas. Uh, Richie Porte is looking good. You know, top three last year in the Tour de France. Uh, Carapaz doing a little bit of work. I don't know. It, looking pretty good to me. I think Sepkas still needs to work a little bit on his team stuff as far as being a leader and um, see where that leads us. Okay. So we have NorCal. NorCal has some racing coming up here. Um, Chowchilla Crit is coming up on April 3rd. I think you could still uh, apply for that. And apply being uh, the optimum word of uh, register. So you can still register for that race or that ride, I believe, and uh, the race and get a chance to do something. I think they're going to have some some people coming in on board so that you uh, might want to go check out the pro race. And because I, I don't know if Legion is going to be there, but, you know, there keeps being hints that it's going to be fantastic. And so I don't know who all there. But we have some other news here, which is Velo Promo has indicated that they are going to start doing some racing so i'll just read their their velo promo plans for reopening no one wants to return to racing more the velo promo okay we are currently discussing events in the next few months with the applicable cities and counties and we are currently proposing the following following state and local covid 19 guidance and increased vaccinations may 9 early birds in fremont may 16 early birds in fremont these are kind of late birds when you really call it late birds May 30, Regalado Road Race in Oakdale. June 5, Copperopolis Road Race in Milton. Where else? July 3rd, Leesville Gap Road Race in Williams. July 17, Watsonville Crit in Watsonville. July 18, Early Birds in Fremont. And I believe they also had a little bit, let me see if they have a little bit more to this statement here. Yeah, so I'll keep reading this along. Um, once they let us know what that they'll allow will apply for a USAC permits. It's possible that some of these will not, uh, I can't see what that'd be through, uh, Merced County, for example, is still not even accepting any applications. These events are reasonably low cost, even with higher expenses relating to COVID-19 mitigations, reduced fields limits. We'd like to schedule Katua Creek somewhere in here as well, as well, and a fourth early bird date. Other events later in the 2021 season are like Patterson, Dunnigan, Winners, Giro, Oakland may need your help through sponsorship and some companies, clubs, and communities. Any ideas? Uh, due to the higher cost, CHP officials and permits, staff surcharges, etc. Maybe no t-shirts. There you go. Uh, we are still deep in debt through Mary Maroon's GoFundMe effort has helped us through this difficult past year, and the situation is improving. Thanks, Mary, and all the donors. We'll be back in full swing 2022. Meanwhile, most of our event plans for this year are still going forward, including the Cal Cup races, those above, and others as usual. Robert Liebold, Velo Promo Cycling. All right, well, that's actually some good news. I'm glad to see them um, 
looking to get us back on the on the board as far as races go. And uh, for the most part, you know, none of that's there. Blamed me for for the reasons of not having um, racing going on because I think that's what they did last time. How about we go? I just want to make some comments. So uh, a Drake Duel interview we had uh, episode two twenty six uh, went really well. And with that, um, I don't know. That's someone else posted some things online. The video, the views have been really up. It's like about thirteen hundred. I thought we'd do a little bit of uh, read some of the mailbag from that. Um, you can find that on our YouTube channel and check us out. Now, by the way, we got a bunch of new subscribers. I appreciate that as well. We'll try to keep interviews coming. Otherwise, we do race updates, um, a few other videos. We try to do some racing videos. We post on uh, YouTube as well. Uh, you know, some of the riders that do that. And so we try also try to, our before was showing video of racing, pro racing, and then talking about it. But due to the uh, copyright strikes that we've got in there, we've decided, <laughs> decided to cut that out. Okay. Um, I don't know if we're going to just see this. So RK Media says it seems super, uh, it seems rowing is a super good base for being a good bike rider. Just look at Jason. I'm not sure who Jason is, but um, it is. Um, Tim said, this is an ex, uh, an awesome podcast. I just happened to stumble on it. I live in Gold River. Okay, that's where I broadcast from. Uh, I don't know who you are, Tyler. Well, <laughs> welcome to the club. Uh, but you did a great job in this interview. I appreciate that. Uh, I watched Drake on YouTube climb Haleakala. He is amazing. I lived in uh, Hawaii for 20 years, never cycled Haleakala, but I ran up it uh, run to sun. Jesus, that sounds horrible. Uh, it's an epic climb no matter how you get up. I'll be uh, following uh, on Strava Drake. You're a humble young man. Maybe chasing KOMs is a thing to do. Of course, in any age group, uh, any group my age. Uh, keep up the work, Tyler. We'll be watching. Yeah, so got a good comments here about Drake and, and his positivity. And um, oh, Brylan Zimney wants to know, because uh, we'll take your comments when we get these. Uh, why Copperopolis, but no Snelling? <clears throat> Snelling. Maybe it has to do with, I don't know, Brian, maybe it has to do something to do with uh, the area out there. Well, does, I think Vela Promo puts on that race as well. So I, I don't know. Um, maybe maybe make an inquiry. And by the way, thanks, Brian, for the update on on, on this Vela Promo stuff. You sent that to me. If they're deep in debt, should be sure run. Yeah. So if they're in debt, uh, Snelling, it seems like that might be one because that always seems to sell out. It's a good race to kind of maybe make some money on. I don't know. Maybe it's more expensive actually putting on that race. I doubt it um <clears throat> uh young killer with his head on straight okay to a breakaway man all these rowers are taking over the sport first it was the zwift world title now drake is taking all the koms little did we know the pro peloton was already inf infiltrated but what we thought was a try guy but it's apparently a rower work cameron worth uh what's next a rower wins a grand tour i hope not uh, <laughs> or a ski jumper we've already got one of those so um Rowing is the hardest sport. I'm a decent cyclist and grateful I got into rowing first. I need to borrow a rowing machine, but they're so pricey. Yeah, um, I don't know much about rowing other than, you know, you, how you do it. East Maui Loop is legit in this gravel. That's what uh, Huntington says. Okay, so let's get back to, uh, so we're getting some comments here. Um, we already saw that. Uh, Eric Houston says Snelling is too flat. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, Sean Bagley, Merced County is being stubborn about racing. That's why Turlock is on hold. The race had to cross into Merced County. Okay. Because um, it's probably like what we just saw with Wevel. And thanks, Sean, for that. That's uh, probably what we saw with Gent Wevelgum, where <clears throat> as soon as you cross into France, COVID is a totally different aspect there. So you got to watch those things. Eh, I'm being an asshole. I know. Um, what else do we have here? Ride of the week. 
my ride of the week, and please make your comments still. We'll talk about NorCal. I think we'll try to do a Friday show this week, uh, previewing, going over the race in Chowchilla. Uh, maybe we'll get a gaggle of people to to actually join in on the live stream, and um, be, be look. I'll be looking out there for some of you to uh, to be insane commentators with me. We'll just do a live thing and go over the racing and talk about you know who's been um, registered, and we can do that. <clears throat> okay, so. Ride of the week. Ride of the week is going to Nasser Buhani. <laughs> okay. This is one uh, I just want to uh, talk about here. I did get this text from Chris. Um, Kaylee Fretz getting some heat for calling Buhami a terror. He retired his article and now calls him a nightmare. So cycling tip. And I didn't read that one. Well, I do have the nightmare one here. Um, and I, I wonder if, look, Nasser Buhani, well, and I'll sh I'm going to try to show this clip actually of, of him uh, doing the race. So, it was a race that uh, Viviani ended up winning over the weekend. And with that, uh, there was a, in the sprint, Nasir Bahani had a little bit of a, a, an issue, okay? Kind of the grown wagon type of thing, but without all the tra tragicness that came from uh, the, 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 the wreck that he had there in the Tour of Poland. Okay, look, so part of this problem is <clears throat> if this is just a sprinter crossing the lines, and we'll show the, the sprint here, if it's just him kind of, you know, pushing and bumping as we have, it's not that, it's it's a big deal after the Grona Wagon issue, but is it the really a big thing? Well, the problem is Buhani. Buhani is kind of the uh, Ron Artest of cycling world. I don't know if you remember Ron Artest, so um, had a fight in the stands, the Pacers, Pistons thing back in 04, I think it was. He went into the stands, was punching people, and, you know, he just gets... He was a little bit, not just that, but he had a reputation, right? Of just that kind of guy. Um, remember, I, I wrote this down here. Meta Sandiford Artest, that's his name now, who was born Ronald William Artest. As American former professional basketball player, he was known as Ron Artest before legally changing his name to Meta World Peace, okay, in 2011. And later to Meta Sandiford Artest in May 2020. Anyway, Bahani has a, a long list of, of problems, including a, a violent altercation with his own director, physical fight, fight with Rudy Barbieri, another sprinter. He's punched, uh, he broke his wrist, I think, or really hurt it before a race, uh, you know, like punching the wall. It just, he's got problems. He claims he's a boxer and he's just a little bit of a hothead. And when you see him sprinting, you end up uh, kind of encountering those things. So maybe we'll take a look at the actual sprint that you had here. And with that, um, I'm going to pull it, pull it up on Twitter and we'll, we'll get it loaded here and actually see if we can uh, find the sprint and see if we can see this. Why are we not seeing that in bigger form? Just, there we go. Okay. We'll go full screen. Nasser Bahani, and this will re keep repeating itself over and over. So you can see him there in red. He leans into Jake Stewart, I think his name is, and then, um, okay, closes the door, and then leans into him. That guy rubs the barriers quite nicely. See, this is a little bit barriers. This is how they should have had him in Turkey. I think it would have been better off. So is this an egregious move? Not so much, but when he leans into him, perhaps a little bit on that case. Okay, so Buhani basically is saying in, in his response there, that he, is, you know, look, I was trying to take this wheel, didn't mean anything to Jake, da da da. Jake Stewart though says, yo Bahani, uh, I would ask if uh, what you were thinking, but you clearly have no brain cells. The ironic thing is you told me I had no respect after the finish. Here's an educational video of what no respect looks like. So Jake Stewart kind of came back in that. Sean Bagley, let's take a look at what he said. Check out the new barriers, pretty much kept them upright. Totally agree. Kept him in there kind of like a pinball machine. Uh, so he was able to uh, do that. And I, I, that. 
those are the kind of barriers that we should be you know, looking at. Those are the kind of things the UCI should be spending their money and their efforts on. Uh, so was this an egregious move by the sprinter? I mean, you know, if you're, if you're looking at this and it's not Bahani, the answer would be, okay, he came in and then when he felt that he had contact, he was worried about himself. So he kind of leaned in and did that. The problem is you've got Bahani who makes a, a name for himself of being kind of a crappy, you know, he'll do all kinds of, uh, okay. He had off field, so to say incidents, you know, with his, his violent altercation with the manager, some punching another sprinter. He's had these things. So you go, okay, that doesn't really relate to on the bike, but I think that um, I've seen him racing and he takes gaps, he takes moves, he does all kinds of things where I think you're stretching into the realm of uh, kind of dirty. So with that, you kind of do. Look, so they referred this issue out to uh, the UCI. They're going to take a look and, and, and see if there's any kind of conduct that they need to uh, have an issue with. Jake Stewart accuses Frenchman of having no brain cells. Yeah, we just read that part. Uh, Bihani, as we saw, deviated from his line. And let's see if the uh, there's any comments here from Buhani. I don't see it in here. But as we saw last year with Gronerwagen, you know, they, they hand down this this big strict uh, penalty. So I imagine you're going to see something like that with Buhani simply, once again, because of the fact of who he is. Uh, he doesn't get uh, much grace in this section. So I don't know. That's what we have. I, I, I think Bahani is probably getting, should get relegated. Should he get uh, kicked off of the tour for a few months? I don't know. Do I feel bad for him? I don't know. Maybe, maybe a little bit. It didn't seem overly over the top with that, but you put a guy in the barrier and uh, that's not going to happen. Luckily, the barriers kept him upright. Otherwise, you probably would have been looking at the same exact situation. Dude flying through the barriers, you know, 40 miles an hour or whatever they're doing there uh, at the finish. And it would have been ugly to see. Last comment we'll take here, Eric Houston. He goes left and repeatedly goes left. If you just gone forward, a little bit elbow, finish tire, possibly. But then again, he's Buhani. And with Buhani, we can't ever really know what he's thinking because as Jake Stewart said, he's lacking brain cells. Hey, with that, 229 episodes uh, between two of podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining in. Look for us next week as we try to do a show about Chow Chilla. We'll try to get up there and do that live for everybody. Thanks for all the new listeners and viewers. Be well, my friends. Stay upright and don't buhani anybody. All right? Take care.